You're listening to episode 22 of the Eat Well and Live Full podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode. I'm really excited about this episode because today I have another amazing holistic health coach on the podcast. Her name is Sarah Menlove and she is from New Zealand. She's actually a former New Zealand age group rep triathlete and a personal trainer who's turned holistic health and body image coach. She suffered a stress fracture and lost her period for over four years and that is what made her walk away from the sport of triathlon and actually begin healing her body. And in turn, she went on a health journey to really reclaim her identity and reconnect with her body. She now works to support other women to do the same, and she loves sharing that it is possible to be happy, healthy, and fulfilled at any body size. You are definitely going to want to stay right to the end of this episode. We are going to talk all about mindset and beliefs and how diet culture has really formulated a lot of the things that we think and feel about our body and about food. And we're also going to break down some steps that you can start taking to really break the chains of diet culture, holding you back from becoming the healthiest, happiest, and most connected and fulfilled version of you. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Let's dive into today's episode. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time and actually coming back in time because Sarah is in New Zealand. So she's 19 hours ahead of me right now while we're, we are recording this. So thanks for um, taking the time to set up our schedule so that you could be here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love the power of the internet for that. Um, for just being able to connect in different time zones. And like you mentioned, it was snowing there the other day and I'm sitting here in a singlet and shorts and just sweating. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So we're going to talk a lot about just the power of mindset and beliefs, especially as it relates to diet culture and how we think about food and our bodies today. So I just want you to give us a little bit of a backstory about yourself and how you really got into this this work of health coaching and helping women start to overcome some of these boundaries that have been placed on us by, by these crazy, you know, diet beliefs over the years. Yeah. So I came to this work very much from that side of things, the diet beliefs. And I, I got to that place through uh, starting my first job in a gym, becoming a personal trainer and really feeling the pressure at that point to change my body, to um, lose, quote-unquote, the uni weight, you know, and look the part in that industry. And that kind of sent me on quite a downward spiral with intense healthy behaviours, reducing certain food groups, constant weighing myself, and then I actually got into triathlon after doing all of that. So triathlon was 
a sport that I competed in for about five years representing um, New Zealand at age group level. So that became then even more, you know, I had all of that disordered kind of weight loss tendencies, restriction with food, overtraining in the gym, and then add to that 10 to 20 hours of cardio training a week as a triathlete and my identity being very attached to that as well. Uh, so that was kind of my, you know, for the last, I suppose I stopped that side of things about four years ago, three and a half years ago. But prior to that, that was my um, eight, nine years before that. And yeah, and then where that led me was stress fracture, losing my period, very obsessed with my body, which showed me what really I thought, you know, at the time I thought I was being healthy. I thought I was doing all the things that people promote you to do for your body. But it was very clear to me that that was no longer healthy. And that's when I started doing this healing work in my own life and then studying to become a coach so that I could share this work with others. What do you think was the biggest um, light bulb moment that you had? Either, you know, when you were starting to be a coach or as you were kind of going through the journey as yourself, what was the moment that made you start to think, wow, everything that I've been thinking up until this point is kind of, you know, BS to, to put it bluntly. What was that light bulb moment that you had where you were like, I need to just scrap that and move forward? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. I think there was a couple of light bulb moments. The first one was kind of not, not by my own choice in a way, like, like you heard when I got a stress fracture, that was my body telling me, my body forcing me, but I still don't think at that point in my own mind, I'd realized that, you know, I really needed to make a change. So there was that initial point of like, okay, my body's telling me something needs to change. And then probably six months on from that, like really struggling with my body changing, with the weight gain, with the judgment, the self-criticism, the who am I now that I'm not training, that I'm not an athlete, that my body doesn't look like the fitness magazines anymore. That was probably the point where I was like, wow, this is not really about food. This is not really about my body. This is about my mindset. Yeah. And the word that you know, I even just wrote down earlier, that's really popping out to me is identity. So you identified so strongly as an athlete and that to you, this athlete was supposed to look like this and act like that. And, and, you know, it's not even just, you know, you can replace the word athlete with, you know, pre baby weight or the 20 year old version of me or whatever it is, right. For anyone else who's out there listening, where do you think that this identity that we've built even comes from how are we you know making up these beliefs in our heads like is that diet culture how do we form these beliefs over time that get so ingrained into our identity yeah so and like you mentioned yeah this this can be in in so many different areas my my journey was athlete um, also in there I think was health and identity wrapped up in health and and being a picture of health and fitness as well so regardless of your path and and where you go through like mine it was fitness culture as well as um, athlete culture and kind of the messages that are ingrained within those systems but regardless of if you're receiving those messages we're all living in this larger societal system that many of us and many of your listeners may have heard of as known as diet culture and 
yeah, whether we're aware of it or not, it's influencing us, it's impacting us. And that's something that I'm really passionate about sharing um, both in my workshops and with my clients is that if we're not aware of what, what the messages are that we're receiving, then there's no way that we can change them. Definitely. Does that, and does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so what are some of those messages that we've been receiving? Because really, I feel like we've been receiving them since we were children. What are these messages, like these words, these phrases, this marketing that we need to start identifying as, okay, this is diet culture talking. This isn't actually healthy. Yeah. I think um, something that I just wanted to share on that point was that really our beliefs, they start to get formed in in most of our uh, real deep ingrained beliefs. They're all formed before we're seven years old. So we, a lot of the time, aren't consciously aware of of what those things are. And that's where there's a lot of kind of deep-seated, deep-rooted belief work to kind of uncover on the more on the level that's a little bit more you know conscious or that we're aware of it, it would be things like being told as a child maybe um, once you've done this so once you've I don't know tidied your room or done this activity then you'll be allowed X food and that kind of then brings in this belief of reward reward system and being good. And that equating to certain foods, like we have to earn certain foods. Um, there might be other things like you have to eat everything on your plate and before you leave the table. Um, you can't have dessert until you've finished all of this. Or what about the kids? And I think this was something like for me, I don't know about you, but like they're starving kids. You can't leave food on your plate, right? Which then leads to a feeling of guilt. And then we have that lodged in our psyche that if we leave food on our plate, you know, we are a bad person. We're we're guilty. And while we're not consciously thinking about that, like something that I, I try to explain to people is it's not necessarily the experience that we're having, but the meaning that we're making about that experience that really informs our belief and how we then interact with the world. That Does makes that make, sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Definitely. I think um, this relates to just, you know, when we're talking about mindset work in general, sometimes it's just as simple as like, why do I feel like I always have to eat everything on my plate? Well, three, four-year-old me thinks that I have to finish everything on my plate or I'm not going to get rewarded or I'm not going to get X, Y, Z, or I'm going to feel guilty. Right. So it's almost like starting to peel back those layers and think about, okay, if we break it down step by step, what is that hidden, deep-seated belief that we probably have about other areas in our life as well? So you mentioned like reward is a big one and feeling yeah. guilty. Is there any more that you commonly see people or clients I've, dealing with? Yeah, like, I mean, I could be here all day probably talking about this, <laughs> but I think that the biggest one, you know, the the, the underlying in all of us and in, in humans is the is the need to be loved to belong and to be safe and really what what i notice is is that sense of worthiness as well within all of that so whether it's um 
that you don't want to break a, a family belief or something. You know, if, if you grew up in a, in a family where health or a certain body image was really celebrated or restricting foods was very normal, then it might be that there's a fear of, of being rejected from that, from that tribe, right? Not being accepted by your family, not being loved, not belonging. And then it goes into friendship groups, right? And so then we have, like you mentioned earlier, diet culture and, and what that looks like. I didn't really answer that, but you can hear that in, in the language that's out there now, um, really causing some foods to be good, some foods to be bad. And in essence, then that's meaning something about us, we're good or we're bad, which is the same as kind of that childhood thing that we talked about. And then the the fear of that loss of belonging with our friends. If our friends are constantly, you know, going on the next diet or watching their weight or trying to change their bodies, then we may not, we may feel like if we're to go away from that, there's a loss of belonging of some sort. Yeah, definitely. Those deeper beliefs that, I don't belong, um, I'm not loved, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy. And that's really where that, you know, I like to think of the food and body stuff as a symptom and most of our society treats symptoms, but we need to go to the root of like where that came from in order to move forward. Definitely. And so if someone is out there listening to this and you're identifying with why can't I ever stick to XYZ diet or why do I feel like I'm always starting over? or Why do I feel like I always have to restrict or you have these patterns that you're seeing over and over again? It might be worth, you know, reaching out to someone like Sarah and a practitioner and really starting to get at the root of why that's happening over and over and why you're seeing that pattern. Because just like you said, Sarah, it's really just a symptom like your behavior is a symptom but we need to get to the root before we can really change and have you grow and move forward yeah yeah i see that as like a clearing out process of the things that aren't serving us anymore the beliefs the mindsets that get so ingrained in us otherwise we're so we can build a new foundation right a stable foundation whether that be of you know always of self-worth of self-acceptance of compassion of love and acceptance for ourselves as the foundation and go from there rather than trying to to pile those things on top of a foundation that's already really shaky. Yes, I love that analogy. Okay, so shifting back to talking about diet culture a bit more, what what are some trends? I mean, there's so many different diets out there right now, but just in general in the marketing and the products and the different diets in the can you kind of dig deeper into diet culture as a whole and what we're really what we're really talking about and what people should be aware of and looking for to to realize, oh, okay, that's diet culture talking or that's diet culture marketing to me. Yeah. So before I get into this, like, you know, this isn't something that I've come up with or, you know, someone else has come up with. Um, diet culture has been around for a really long time and there's some great people in the industry doing lots of research and, and talking a lot more about this. The definition that I like to use that I share with my clients is one by Christy Harrison, who's an intuitive eating counsellor and a podcast host and an author. And her definition is that diet culture is a system of beliefs that values size, weight, shape, and physical characteristics of the body over true health and well-being. And, you know, that really lands for me because that was my experience. 
I was valuing my physical characteristics, my size, my weight, my body fat percentage over true health. Where my, I lost my period, I lost relationships, I lost a social life. Um, you know, I was all or nothing mentality. And so that's kind of the definition. And how that shows up is it shows up in oppression of certain body shapes and sizes over others. So this idea that thinner is better or smaller, leaner bodies are more valued than larger bodies, which is obviously very oppressive and stigmatizing and dehumanizing and really um, harmful to folks in larger bodies. So that's something that shows up. And then that's the body image side of things. And then the food side of things is that it demonizes certain food groups. It makes us think that certain food, like foods have moral value, right? So certain foods equate to being if you're eating a certain way, you it's equated to being a better, more moral, more virtuous person. There's kind of like this this feeling of, of satisfaction um, for eating that way, which is celebrated. And I guess the way it's going is most people are aware that diets, traditional diets, don't work, aren't really cool anymore. And so something that you might have seen in the past is highly calorie restricted probably won't be advertised that way won't be marketed that way anymore but what it might be marketed as is a lifestyle plan or a healthy choice or a lifestyle change so there's all of these new ways that diet culture is showing up and yeah, so I think just to be aware of that, just to be aware of the language that's used around those foods and when it's focused on, on weight loss and body change and restriction of any kind, it's still a diet. So yeah. it might be rules around times of day we can eat, for example, not even related to food, right? So just I can't eat at this time of day because it's not within my 12-hour window or whatever it is. Or I can't eat carbs after 3 p.m. or uh, I can only have pizza if I've gone to the gym and done a workout first or I can only have and I'm just using you know these foods as an example I can only have such and such food on a Saturday because that's my day that I'm allowed it otherwise I'd go crazy um yeah so rules rule-based any types of rules yeah then that's the pattern I've seen I've seen too it's anything that feels like you can't do it forever that's not a way that you want to be trying to fuel your body right because you and we can talk about intuitive eating in a second as well because I know that's something that you practice and that you use with your clients but I talk a lot about food as fuel So let's get away from it as, you know, food or calories. Like it is what is providing that energy. It is what's providing the the tissue in your skin, the strongness of your bones and and muscles. And like literally food is the basis of, of creating a really not only healthy, but content and happy and thriving body. And so if any kind of fad programs, even if they're labeled healthy, as you said, or sustainable, or if it doesn't feel sustainable to you, if it feels really difficult and like you cannot maintain it and you keep, you know, quote, falling off, 
that's probably a sign that it is still restrictive. It is still following rules and it is probably not going to get you any kind of healthy long-term results, right? Mm. Yeah. And I think the trap with that is um, a lot of people who have come from a disordered relationship with food. You know, I say a disordered relationship with food because I believe eating disorders fall on a spectrum. And I very much consider the place I used to be in a disordered relationship with food, which is now known as orthorexia, um, to be, yeah, really dangerous, you know, a really dangerous route to go down. Um, so so yeah. let's talk a little bit, because I mentioned it, just a little bit about intuitive eating. And, and again, you can kind of go down the rabbit hole here and we can, we can, um, you can contact us and we can give you some resources if this sounds interesting to you as well. But just in a nutshell, can you kind of explain the concept of intuitive, intuitive eating and why it's just become so popular now? Yeah. Um, so the concept itself, like the, the, the place I come from it is with it is, we were born into this world as intuitive eaters and we were born into this world with an intuition in general. Like we had this inner awareness. We, we also were born into the world self-loving, right? Like we weren't born into the world criticizing our tummies or our roles or anything like that. So all of everything that's kind of self-judgmental or rule-based, restriction, scarcity-based is conditioned into us. And intuitive eating is the coming back to the internal knowing, the wisdom that we have inside of us that knows that we're inherently worthy, we're enough, we're loved exactly as we are, but also that we have autonomy and freedom over our food choices. So we know when we're hungry, we know when we're full, we have an allowance of you know, what, what makes us feel good when we eat it, but it's not from a self-punishing place. And there's also the ability to, you know, make autonomous food choices without rules, without restriction. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is, you know, sick of the dieting and wants to get off the treadmill and thinks, okay, maybe I'd like to get back to, you know, that connection with my body where I can start to say, hey, I am full or hey, I am hungry or you know, my body needs sweetness. Maybe I just need some fruit or, you know, having that intuitive connection with your body. How do you even start that when you have been on such a plan, like a game plan, so restrictive, really completely non-intuitive? How do you even begin to tap into that, you know, inherent wisdom that we have inside of our body? Yeah, it can sound um, quite foreign and quite far away for people, especially coming from that place of, of really rule-based, which I totally understand. So um, the first thing, I guess, is to have compassionate awareness. And that's always the first step that I take my clients through. And anyone who's been part of my, my groups knows that awareness is the first step in making any change which like we talked about earlier understanding diet culture understanding where our our rules and our beliefs have come from that's a really great pl place to start just getting clear on your own what what i call diet mentality so what are your rules what are your restrictions how's your relationship with food right now and then from that place starting to question starting to challenge and, you know, take people through what can be quite an uncomfortable process of really 
allowing themselves what's called food liberation or in intuitive eating unconditional permission to eat. So that means having the ability to reintroduce foods that have been previously restricted and remove all restriction because we really can't heal our relationship with food while we still have restriction, while we still have rules that we're following. Um, and that can show up either as physical restriction or psychological restriction. So just really important to give yourself time, give yourself permission to reintroduce foods that may feel scary for you and explore what's there, explore what that, that fear is that's actually holding you back. Does that... Does that answer your question? Yeah. That's, that's the part of it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And like that can go on for, a, I feel like a very long period of time, depending on you and where you're at mentally. And if you're working with someone through these types of feelings and beliefs, because as we said, they're so ingrained into your identity and your moral belief system, right? If you know, you start trying to make steps and you're really having trouble with it, I would say reach out and work with a practitioner because they're going to be able to support you and just walk you through it better. Because I know for myself, I've had a similar story where I've, you know, been on the diet treadmill for years and then started really just intuitively eating. And it feels so foreign. Like you kind of take one step forward, two steps back one step forward, two steps back, right? So to have somebody, you know, who's A, been through it, but B, who can really coach you and teach you the tools along the way to overcome that is, is huge. So I'd recommend reaching out to Sarah or finding another um, coach, practitioner, someone who can really help support you, even just to lean on and say, like, keep going, you're doing a great job, you're being compassionate to your body. And it's, it's okay that it's challenging and hard. And because you're breaking a belief system that you've had, maybe from you were the time you were three, four, five years old, right? Yeah, absolutely. That self compassion, you know, is is a huge part of the intuitive eating journey and it, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with food. I, I really believe that in my life and in, in what I've seen in my clients as well, this journey of intuitive eating and coming back to a place of compassionate self-awareness translates into so many other areas of life. And, and that's why I'm so grateful to have found this path um, because I know when we are more compassionate with ourselves and more accepting and able to you know navigate challenging situations that feel uncomfortable so many other areas of our life open up as well I'm not sure if you had a similar experience hundred percent yeah and I think that just goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast is that your food and how you think about food and how it you know interacts with the rest of your life that is so much greater than just what we eat. It's how we fuel our bodies. It's how we think. It's how we feel. It's how we, you know, um, can show compassion to our body and love. Or it's how we can, you know, devastatingly beat up our bodies for years, right? So the, really the choice, is, the choice is yours. You can choose to start to just peel back those layers and just explore it. Like you were saying, Sarah, just taking those little steps and seeing how it feels and how it makes you feel and what kind of hidden beliefs and thoughts and patterns come up around that. Right. Yeah. Curiosity. Yes. <laughs> my clients, my clients are like, Oh, not again. But I'm like, 
let's be curious about this, you know, and like, it can feel really heavy. It can feel, and I acknowledge that, like I, I know that it can feel really hard and really painful. So there's that, that point of acknowledging that. And then also just being like, let's be curious about this rather than create judgment or shame or blame. Like we've had enough of that in diet culture, right? It's not about that. It's really about being curious and having an, an open and loving awareness to what you can explore and what you can find out. Definitely. So I have one more question before I let you go. And it's just that if someone is starting to go through this journey, how can they, how should I ask this? How can they start to um, change either relationships that they have in their life with maybe people who are still on the diet culture wheel or maybe, you know, through their work or through wherever they're seeing this diet culture pop up, how can they start to have conversations with other people in their lives to kind of say, hey, listen, I'm not really subscribing to this diet culture thing anymore. I'm on a different journey. How can they kind of announce that in a way that they don't have to keep being triggered all the time? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Totally. Another another huge topic. Eh? And I guess that comes under boundaries um, for me, which is something that you know, I work through in different areas of life with my clients. But firstly, self-care in that regard is like, there's so many different levels to it. So firstly, I would say one, it's okay to completely walk away from those conversations. You know, you don't have to explain yourself. You're under no obligation to even bring up that conversation. Um, the the second point is like there might be some people in your life that you end up spending a little bit less time with because they aren't supportive of your healing and your growth and you know that's a whole conversation in itself but like that's okay that's part of self-care if, if you're a little bit further along on your journey or if this person is someone who's really close to you who you feel comfortable and safe with you might be able to say something like you know, I've really been doing some some deep healing work on my relationship with food and I'm not actually dieting anymore. I'm I'm trying to create a healthy relationship with food and, and really love and accept myself and my body. So I'd really appreciate if we steered the conversation away from dieting and, and talked about something more interesting, right? Um, that's kind of a nice way to, to share it. And then it's holding those boundaries in place. You know, if that person then continues to talk about their body or talk about food in a way that is, is triggering for you, it would be again saying something like, Hey, remember I, I mentioned to you, I'm, I'm really don't feel comfortable with the way that you're talking about food right now. I'm, I'm trying to heal my relationship with food and this isn't supporting me. Can we please stop talking about it? And if yeah. that doesn't, you know, again and again, like, you're going to have to create some resilience, some strength in those conversations. And then there might be a point where, yeah, there's just needs to be a firmer boundary put in place. And that's obviously a very individual experience. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think anyone who really truly loves you will support your boundaries. You know, they'll, they'll recognize that, that that's something that you're asking for and they'll be supportive in that. And if, you know, you feel like you have to keep repeating yourself, then like you said, maybe it's time to spend a little bit less with those less less time with those people and find some people that you really can, you can connect on in this journey. And so that's why things like Instagram and Facebook groups and 
are awesome if you can connect with the right kind of people who are going through similar journeys as you are. So on that note, I will definitely make sure I link all of Sarah's information, her website, her Instagram handle in the description of this podcast. So you can check her out and follow her on Instagram. I know she'd love to connect with you if you have more questions. And thank you so much, Sarah. This was actually amazing and very insightful. And I hope that my audience finds it just as insightful as I did. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to everyone who's listened. Um, I'm sure you can tell it is a, yeah, there's a lot to it. And it's important to be able to have a platform to be able to share that. Um, and yeah, like you said, just connect with those people, with those groups who are going through a similar journey because community is so, so important. So thank you for doing this as well, Lexi. Thank you so much.